Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, I hope you had a good week. We are in part two of Haggai, okay? It's been so long. We were actually uh, really tempted to do a recap video on Haggai. And uh, I don't know what that would have looked like, but uh, last week, what you missed on Haggai, message by God, delivery by Pastor Johnny, don't ruin it, point number one. No, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. You can laugh. We're in God's house. It's all right. Let's go to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for this time of worship. We exalt you. We bless you. And we just pray for uh, your hand upon just the remainder of this service. Your word is anointed. Just help me to deliver it the way you want me to deliver it, Father. I just thank you and bless you, Lord God. You've prepared our hearts, and we're just going to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, let me start with this story that I came across. And um, it's, uh, it's an interesting story. Uh, it's uh, the one about the, when the devil had a garage sale. He had a lot of tools that he used against humanity. So he was like, you know what, I'm going to get rid of some stuff. So uh, he put out this, uh, you know, just advertisement for any of his customers, demons, to come out and just check out his tools uh, that he was getting rid of. They were all priced different. He had them all laid out there, uh, the tool of anger and resentment and pride and uh, arrogance and just lust and man, they were going like hotcakes. They were just picking them up and and buying them off of them. And and one of his uh, demons, I mean customers, says, "Notice this one tool. It was really, really worn out more than any of the other ones." And uh, he says, "How much? How much for that one?" And uh, and devil looks at him and says, "That one's not for sale. That one's that one's one of my best ones. It's, don't even know how I got there, but uh, no, that's not for sale." And uh, his customer was like, why, why not? That's, I, I want that one. He's like, absolutely not. That is, it's too valuable to me. And he says, well, can you at least tell me what it, what it is? And it was the tool uh, of discouragement. It's, uh, he, the devil tells him, it's, it's more valuable to me than all the others. When I can't bring down my victims with the rest of my tools, I use discouragement. With, with that tool alone, I can accomplish every task. Nothing paralyzes a person. Nothing stops someone in their tracks like discouragement. Discouragement is no respecter of persons. It keeps the unemployed unemployed. It keeps the homeless homeless. It keeps the sick sick. When overcome with discouragement, it leads to hopelessness. People can't pray when they are discouraged. They can't worship when they're discouraged. They become victims of their own environment. Because of discouragement. I love that tool. Discouragement drains its victims of courage, of vision, of faith, of expectation, the will to make a difference in the kingdom of God. If I can't get people discouraged, then I've, if I can get people discouraged, I've successfully neutralized them. And they're only left with enough energy to feel hopeless and sorry for themselves. Discouragement. The book of Haggai, the people of Israel, they dealt with tons of discouragement through this, this call they received, and they just were hit with some things that they weren't expecting. And then out of that discouragement, they just responded 
uh, wrong time and time again. So I'll give you just a short recap. We have Israel in, in Babylonian captivity, Medo-Persian Empire takes over, uh, takes over Babylon, and now there's a new king, and God moves on the heart of that king, uh, King Cyrus, to rebuild the temple of God. We should be praying for our kings, for our leaders. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. We should be praying for our leaders because God can still move the heart of leadership, yes. no matter how lost we may think they are. So here, this king releases this remnant to go accomplish God's mission. The mission was to rebuild the temple, rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild their homes and farmlands and society. All right? So they built the foundation of the temple, and then opposition came. The opposition that came led to their discouragement, and that discouragement led to apathy. It led to this self-focus. So for 16 years, it just stalled the work of rebuilding the temple because this opposition from this new king now that took over after King Cyrus and the social enemies that were around. Sometimes, church, after a big win in life, opposition comes and it tries to take the joy out of that win. Awaken was amazing. It was fantastic. If you missed it, you can go back and look at, the, uh, look at the message and check out the sermon notes, which, by the way, sermon notes tonight are on the app. But I wouldn't be surprised after this awesome time we had if some of you were hit with something right after that that really tried to take the victory out of that, th that week at Awaken. The enemy of our soul does not want us to live in victory. That's why he's always after stealing what God, trying to steal what God does. Now look at Haggai uh, 1, verse 4 and 5. And Haggai can be pronounced a couple different ways. Haggai or Haggai. I'm just going to go with Haggai today. So the word says, Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? Luxurious is a key word to keep in mind. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. So what was happening to them is they, the people of Israel, took care of their own needs over building, rebuilding the temple of God. And part of their purpose in returning to the land of Israel was to do just that, rebuild it. So yes, they needed to establish their homes. Uh, they needed to establish their farmlands to just be able to sustain the people. But they got really comfortable instead of just like cleaning up their homes so it could be a clean place to sleep and then uh, work on the temple. They just started working on their homes and made, started expanding them and making them nicer. And they lost the focus on building God's house and they built their own houses. You with me? They grew their farm, uh, farmlands, expanded their homes. Now this discouragement that came from people trying to stop this work, it led them to quitting the kingdom building process. So what I find in this book of Haggai, there's some really good lessons on how to fight discouragement. So the message title is, is real uh, simple, Defeating Discouragement. So what we see here is, I see a parallel between the people here in 536 BC and and the people of today, God's people today, 2022. There's a remnant of God's people. You and I make up part of the remnant of God's people left on this earth. Amen? We're the remnant. 
But because of the discouragement in life and the times that we're living in, many just have stopped doing what they were called to do. So point number one is this. We defeat discouragement by prioritizing his purpose. What is the purpose of man, though? Have you ever thought, thought that to yourself and just asked yourself that question? Why am I here? What am I doing? What's my purpose? I love what Micah 6, 8 says. It says, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You've ever want to know what God requires? Boom, there it is. Do what is right, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. So prioritizing his purpose starts with us acknowledging him. Like personally, but like for real. Because anybody can say they're a Christian, but it doesn't mean they're walking in Christ and, and producing the fruit of Christ. Why is it getting so quiet in here? <laughs> We've got to acknowledge him personally for real. Sometimes people say, oh, I'm a Christian. Well, how do you know you're a Christian? Oh, because that's what my parents told me. There's people that say they're Christian and they don't understand that, that they need to be walking with Jesus Christ as Lord. So we got to acknowledge him personally, and we've got to acknowledge him publicly. This is not for us to just come to Jesus and, and know him and then just shut our mouths and not share with other people. There are people that cross our paths all the time, and we have this opportunity to, okay, maybe not come on and be like, hey, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Not that, but how about, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, can I help you with anything? Amen. Just acknowledging him before, uh, before man. Also, we can acknowledge, we need to acknowledge his plan for you. What's his plan for you? Well, one is this. God's plan for your life is that you would use your gifts, your passions, and skills to show his love to those around us. Please keep in mind those talents, those gifts, those passions he's placed there. He's placed there. So Israel, at this point, they're discouraged, and they stopped pursuing his voice. They stopped pursuing his voice because of the discouragement. And the word doesn't say that they were active in seeking out what God had to say about what, was, what they were dealing with. So point number two is this, defeat discouragement by prioritizing your pursuit. Your pursuit. And that pursuit should be a pursuit of his word. Thank you for that amen. Pursuing his word, we talk about it a lot around here. Because his word is important. His word gives us strength. His word really sets us up. His word found in, in the Bible and his word for you personally. You know God's trying to get your attention and trying to speak to you. His word, the word of God, saves lives. It saves lives. And not just because it leads us to Jesus Christ and, and replenishes our soul and we come to know him, but like the word of God saves lives. Like I remember when when the Word of God saved my life. Like, after I knew Him, and I found myself in a place of discouragement, 
And I, I probably shared this story before from this pulpit, but I just, I felt impressed to share it again. But many years ago, I was found, I just found myself like super discouraged, like because family members had passed away, mother, father, brother, right one next to, right, you know, one after the other. And I fell into the, this, this pit of despair. The pain was too much, and it was just back to back to back. And I found myself super discouraged and just, just the life being like drained right out of me. And I found myself what I call my deathbed, where I was feeling so defeated and the enemy was there saying, I got you now, using his tools. I got you now. Just give up. Just quit. And I'm, I'm laying in my bed weeping, and he's whispering that. And something started stirring in here. And it started bubbling up, and what came out of my mouth was, I will live and not die, but I will live to declare the glories of God. Lord, your word says that the call of God is irrevocable, and you wouldn't have called me if it was going to end this way. Lord, your word says to honor your mother and your father, and it'll go well with you, and I'll have long life. I've done that. And the word, the next word was, uh, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And when those four scriptures came out of my mouth, healing came, the discouragement left, I... No more pain. I came out of that bed like if I had just come out of being held underwater. Came out of that bed and I was like, what, what was that? I'm healed. And I was never the same again. The word of God has the power to save lives. Prioritize your pursuit by pursuing his word and pursuing a solid foundation. Now I know I say solid foundation, that's really broad. What, what, what can that be? Well, a solid foundation, I just threw a couple of thoughts here, but a solid foundation is, is practicing love. Practicing love. Practicing repentance. Not just one-time repentance, like a regular repenting of things. I mean, if I were to ask really, how many here have sinned since you first came to Jesus Christ, every hand would be like Because, I mean, you could lose your salvation on I-4 like that. Just kidding. But you can sin real quick. <laughs> so practicing repentance meaning, means that every day you look into your heart and you see if there's anything you've, you've offended God with or offended your man, mankind with or anything you've done or said that was just out of line. Practicing re repentance. Another, another way to have a solid foundation, follow Jesus' commands. Oh, follow Jesus' commands. He said, if you love me, you'll do what I ask you to do. <laughs> man, I just can't help but so many times with my boys because there's three rambunctious boys in my house. They're awesome. Sometimes you just can't say it once. You got to, by the seventh time, stop, stop doing that. Please, please stop choking your brother. Okay, will you please stop practicing jujitsu on your brother? Don't do it here. We've told, stop. And then there's a part of me that says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. <laughs> if you love me. If we love him, we obey his commandments. That helps our foundation. Practice meekness and humility, right? I'm getting a hand wave of amen back there. Practice meekness and humility. Take every thought captive. Oh, come on. 
taking every thought captive that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. That means that things that try to say, no, God said this, but no, you think this. We take those thoughts captive. Living in freedom as a slave to Christ, as a servant to Christ. You know, the more we just submit to him, the freer we are. Practice the fruit of the Spirit. Live in the light of eternity. That means live like <laughs> we're, we're just that much closer to either our departure to see him or his return to come get us. Foundation is important. Look at this house uh, that's coming up. That, that's what happens when our foundation is not strong. It's not well built. It's, it's no coincidence that Jesus talked about that parable of the man that built on sand and the one that built on a rock. Our foundation is extremely important because we, we can build a house on it and it may not show up immediately, but in time, things start to fall apart if we don't have a strong foundation. Having a solid foundation determines how well your house will stand through the passage of time and trials. We defeat discouragement by prioritizing your purity. <laughs> Haggai 2.14 says this, Then Haggai responded, That is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. I started thinking, okay, what was Israel's sin again? And I realized that postponing the work on the temple... That, that was a sin. They prioritized their own comforts over doing what they were asked to do. They put their needs above God's needs. They pushed God's work back to any time they felt like doing it. They began to work on the house of God in Haggai 1.14, but then they stopped again. And time and time again, they, felt, they, they dealt with discouragement and, and, and the, the product of that discouragement. And time and time again, God had to come in and say something to them. Haggai, the prophet, comes and shares this, this parable with them and says, if someone is offering a sacrifice uh, unto God and then touches something, does, it, does he make it uh, unclean? No. Uh, then he says, if someone touches something dead and then touches some food, does it make, become unclean? Yes. So he's using this parable to try to show and tell the people of Israel something very important. I'll give you like a today kind of example. If we go to the fridge and we grab the gallon, half a gallon of milk that's left in there and we pour a glass and we taste it, and it's rancid and it's spoiled, there's a problem. The, the milk has gone bad. Now, normally, we would just dump the milk. But what if someone said, don't worry about it, I got another gallon of good milk in there, I'll just put it in the old milk and it'll be fine. No, actually what happened is you just ruined all the milk. That's what, that's what was happening. That was this parable that Haggai shared with them. The point of it was this. Good things are no remedy for bad things. 
Good deeds are not going to negate the unconfessed and unrepented bad deeds. That's what they were trying to do. So, my encouragement is this. Beware of what you're consuming. Just beware of what you're consuming. What's coming in your ears, what's coming in your eyes, what you're putting in your body. Okay? We can automatically go to the, like, the worst sins. But you watch, you watch the news too long, and that's going to corrupt your heart. It's going to talk about discouragement. I, we've got to be careful to the voices that we're listening to on, uh, on YouTube or the podcast or whatever. Man, check into the source of what is speaking into your life. Yeah? Now, for some, maybe in this room or online, you're thinking, well, I can't really pinpoint what specific sins are. What's good is that the Bible does. <laughs> There's several scriptures that, that give us a listing of just, hey, by the way, if you didn't know, here, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, and you may be thinking, no, I got all that on lockdown. I'm good. Idolatry, oh no, I don't, I don't have any idols in my life. Can I just say something? Anything that we put above Jesus Christ is an idol. Anything. I, 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 unfortunately, in my past, I created a couple of those. Uh, you know, one was a BMW that I just really had to have. And then when, you, uh, when I drove it like a race car instead of just a regular car and the tires cost $280 a pop, I was like, you know what, this idol is killing me. <laughs> we can put anything above Christ and it become an idol. Idol, sorcery, hostility, the list goes on and on. Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then, just to even throw some more on there, just because they're a little bit different than what I just listed off in 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 5, says, for people will only love themselves and their money. Hello. Uh, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents. Oh, my Lord, disobedient to parents, that's a sin. Ungrateful, they'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. This is the next one is scary. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. That's a pretty exhaustive uh, list. We've got to protect our purity. We've got to prioritize it. And you may be thinking, man, walking in purity, do you realize that 
we have the God of heaven and earth. His spirit resides within us and we can walk in holiness. We can walk in holiness. You can walk in holiness. But we got to crucify that part of the flesh that says, but I don't want to. But I like this. And got awkward in the room. <laughs> we can walk in holiness. Defeat discouragement. Last point is this. By prioritizing his promise. Prioritize his promise. God has countless promises for his people. Oh, I'm going to say it to the pastors. God has countless promises for his people. Thank you. <laughs> Look at this in Haggai 2.19. I'm giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. He tells the people to encourage them. To say, hey, get out of that discouraged slump. Come on out. Listen to this. You have not yet harvested your grain and your grapes. Your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crop. But from this day onward, I will bless you. That's one promise. And now here's another one. In Haggai 2.4, says, But now the Lord says, Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, here we go, all you people still left in the land. And now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He told them, and he's telling us tonight, be strong. Be strong, faith. Be strong. And he doesn't call you to do something without backing it up. He says, be strong because he will empower you. He says, get to work because he'll equip you to do the work. He says, I am with you. The great I am is with us. He'll never forsake us. God had to keep encouraging the people even after they built the second temple because they got discouraged again. The thing was that they built it and they built it in like record time, okay? And then when they built it, they're like, yay. This one, this one doesn't look like the last one. Well, the first temple was the Temple of Solomon and it was absolutely phenomenal. It laid gold and just pillars and it was just amazing. This one, eh, not so much. You ever build something or assemble something it doesn't end up looking like what it was supposed to? Yeah, I haven't done a lot of uh, assembling except for Legos and let me just tell you, Legos has a few extra little spare parts, but not that many. One of my boys did a Lego. He had so many leftover parts. I'm like, that doesn't look quite right. What was happening with them is that they built this thing, and it was just nothing compared to the last one. But let me tell you something. God has called you his temple. He's called you his temple. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. We're called here tonight to build his temple. And you and I are his temple. Now this is, yeah, let's give some praise to God. If we're going to do it, let's give it to him. Haggai 1.8 says this, very interesting verse here. It says, now 
go up into the hills, he tells the people, go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You know, so many times in God's word, God just supernaturally supplied everyone's need. Like the people of Israel uh, walking through the desert, they were hungry, he provided manna. Then he provided water from a rock. Then he provided quail that blew in. A billion, a billion little birds because they complain. Supernatural, shade by day, light by night. But in, but in this verse, he says, you go up to the hill and you bring down the timber. What I believe he's saying to us tonight is, you and I, we need to get what we need to build up our spiritual life. We need to be active and go and get what we need to build our spiritual temple. There's so many ways to do that around here. We, we've got grow classes. I talk about it because I love grow classes. And, and there's so many, uh, so many of those available. I've got to tell you this. Right before grow classes became Journey of Faith, they were foundations. It was foundations and, and equip and elevate. Some of you got old schoolers remember that just a few months ago, right? I loved both materials, and this one is even better, Journey of Faith, because uh, they tweaked a couple things. It's fantastic. But my little boy, Judah, when I started teaching foundations, he's like, I want to go in your class. I was like, it's, it's an adult-like class. I mean, the man of great faith, right? Uh, I was like, Judah, uh, it's, it's an adult class. I even went as far as saying, I don't know if you may be a little bored. It's not boring. But he wanted to do it. He's like, no, Dad, I want to go and do foundations. I said, okay. It was his doing. He was in class taking notes, uh, asking questions, helping read scripture. He's nine. He's nine. So he goes through, no, he goes through foundations, and then we finish, oh, I give him a certificate, oh, good job, good job. He's like, okay, I got to go to Elevate next. I'm like, are you, you're going to do Elevate? He's like, yeah, yeah, and then after that, I got to do Equip. I think he's the youngest kid on, on uh, record here to go through all three and complete all three, and I'll tell you what happened from that. What that led to, it led to evangelism. Because a few days after he graduated Equip, I, we come home, he pulls these little, he pulls these things out of, uh, out of his, his little drawings. He's drawing and he's, I'm like, Judah, what is that? He goes, no, because I'm, th these are like little cards that I'm handing out to my friends at school. I'm like, but who are you? <laughs> Who are you giving those to? He goes, I'm just giving them to different people. And I'm like, really? And what are they saying? They're saying thank you, and they're asking questions. I'm like, really? That's fantastic. And, and I said, and what else? He goes, well, some people didn't like it, opposition. Some people didn't like it. Some people said, oh, I, you can't talk about Jesus in school. And I told them, I don't care. Yes, I can. <laughs> I'm like... I'm like, Judah, but he goes, yeah, I don't care. I don't care if I get 12 black eyes. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I was like, 
the, the, the pastor in me, I was like, yes! The father in me was like 12 black eyes. And then I remembered, oh, you could totally defend yourself against that. You got an incredible spinning back kick, so don't worry about it. I'm, that's his thing. So it, growing leads to evangelism, church. Then we got connect groups, and I got to hurry, but there, some connect groups are for fellowship. Some uh, connect groups are for freedom, like uh, deliverance, just support groups for people that are dealing with, with life-controlling issues. There's all kinds of things that we can grasp to, uh, and take advantage of to build our spiritual temple. Okay, there's connect groups for fun. We got dominoes for Jesus. Come on, somebody. And then we got Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, over at Michigan, which uh, is fun. It's, uh, yeah, what? Yeah, we're trying to get people from outside the church. Don't get any ideas, okay? There's just a couple of us. <laughs> I know there's one over there. We wrestled the other day, Rafael. It was amazing. But people are coming in that don't know Jesus, and we're building relationships. What I'm talking about is education and relationships. So listen to this verse, Haggai 2.9. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. This word for, was for the people in the book of Haggai. It's been, it's been spoken over this house. Pastor Alex received this, uh, this message uh, in her heart that the, for, the, the glory is going to be greater. And we're seeing that. Not so we can say, oh, this is, we're great, this is awesome. No, so that we can see the harvest of souls that we're seeing across this, the, these altars that we've seen. There's growth happening. You building your temple is not just about you. It's about others that are going to come to him because of you. You remember a couple months ago, uh, I came up here, and I, last time I was here, and I shared about uh, this little girl, Elena, uh, that, well, that's me, uh, Elena and Judah, and Elena had a bunch of questions. She had like 20 questions on a piece of paper, and, and I started just answering her questions as I could, and, uh, and there's her questions, just all kinds of amazing questions. Time passes, and she had a couple more, and then about last week, she comes, and she had another question, and it was about God and how he feels when people go to hell. I told him it breaks God's heart when people uh, choose that over him. And we talked about a couple other things, and she says, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus. And in the dojo, she went through the sinner's prayer and gave her life to Jesus. And then she came with, like, these devotional books that she had. And to show me, and I'm like, wow, these are amazing. That's awesome. And then she just wouldn't, like, go. So I'm like, you want me to read one of these with you? So I read a little devotional with her right then and there. It took just minutes. Us building our temple is not just about us. It's about our families and those around us. And you know what? God is going to do some things in us. There's going to be an increase of his image in you. There's going to be an increase of his presence in your homes. There's going to be an increase of his presence flowing through you. Prayer being answered while the words are still on our lips. That's what we're believing for. We defeat discouragement by just letting these things, us dealing with them, 
prioritizing those things and just letting God be God and opening up so that his, his glory will just increase in and around us. Amen? Close your eyes and bow your heads with me. Father, we come before you. And Father, there may be some people here that, that are away from you. They don't know you as Lord and Savior. Maybe they're at home. But Father, right now I pray that you stir the heart of man. If you're here in this room, maybe you're at home and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord, I want to pray with you. If that's you, you know you need to get some things right. You know you haven't been walking with him as Lord of your life. If that's you, just raise your hand real high. I want to pray with you today. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.